Hello and welcome to episode 2 commentary of Red Sands Investigations. I'm Fiona Thrail and this is Marley Norton. Hey there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, episode 2. Starting off with Jim bringing us back up to date with what's been going on in Red Sands. Yeah, since he's died. Mm-hmm. Deceased. Since my death, I've been pretty busy. I do love his phrasing, actually. I've always loved it. It's very nice. Oh, um, you mean in the delivery? Yeah, yeah. So is he is he an American, or is he putting on an American accent? No, I believe he is an American, I think. Uh, okay. Within two days, the place was cleaner than I um, heard him do something else recently, I think, and he was doing a British accent, so I wasn't entirely sure. Oh. Yeah. Oh, in that case, he fooled me, then. <laughs> if he's not. Shane, let us know. Are you British or American? Or both? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, and he doesn't have a bio. See, if he had a bio, we'd know. Exactly. Get one up there. Get one up there quick. Okay. And here we go with the fortune teller. This is MJ Coburn. Mm-hmm. And uh, Georgie Lloyd. Played by Ashworth Gannison. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, um, of the episodes that we did, this mm. was the one I was most worried about. Um, mm. Between the musical number that's coming up later and um, just sort of the character of Georgie, and um, mm. you know, we should probably talk a little bit about um, this. This script went through several revisions, and um, Georgie oh, yeah. as this sort of you know superstitious. Um, character you know i was i was sort of unclear how how believable that would be mm. um and i love the voice he's doing on this it, it sort of brings it all together this you know larger than life you know actor kind of thing he's doing I know. he was brilliant when i when i heard his audition it was just like oh yes this is the one um yeah it's um georgie lloyd himself is uh Named, I, I named him particularly after George Formby and Mary Lloyd, so um, after musical uh, stars. But um, yeah, no, it, yeah, I don't know whether his character does. I hope it works. I think what Ashworth does with it is fantastic and brings a lot um, of real pathos to it, particularly towards the end. Um, but yes, he certainly intended to be a very, very um, uh, superstitious actor. And I did actually know an actor who was that superstitious. And um, on the way oh, really? to... Yeah, on the way to uh, a production, a train went over a bridge as she was walking under it. And in fact, <laughs> for the next production, she had to stay under that bridge until a train walked past before she could get to the theatre. And so a few times the production was actually held up waiting for this train. Oh my gosh. Okay yeah. then. <laughs> so I think that's probably where the sort of the seed of the idea of somebody very, very superstitious came from. Allow um, <laughs> me. But um Yes, and of course um MJ Coburn again doing a, a very very good job as well as the uh, the fortune teller here. Yeah, did she, um, I know you um, had some people precast. Was she one of the precasts or did she audition? She wasn't. She auditioned actually, yes, she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
No, you don't want Red Sands police anywhere near you. <laughs> And here's Nick. Oh, chicken. Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky Nick, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope that doesn't sound too silly. <laughs> I don't know, I think it kind of works for him. It just, yeah, it's just got this sort of weird quirkiness to it. Well, he's a bit of an, you know... Um, I'm trying to think of a polite way, idiot, you know, in, in some ways, you know, he thinks he's the big cheese, but in fact, you know, he's a bit of a little Edam, you know. I do like both Nick and Tiffany Brayford here playing Tiffany. Um, they do, I kind of wanted their relationship to sound as if they were kind of almost brother and sister. And I think here it actually does, the way that they bounce off each other, the actors, um, mm -hmm. I think, does kind of get that effect, I think. Uh, yeah, the, the timbers of the voices and things, yeah, mm. it just goes very nicely together. Mm. That they've known each other for years and years and can kind of, yeah, just banter a little. My offer still stands. Thank you, but I never was one to get Oh, I love this line. I even, I'm looking at my drafts, um, the edits I made, I even have a note here. It's like, oh, I love this line. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was just perfect. You know, it was well, such a uncle, Tiffany comeback. She is a bit of a loser, oh. really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in the very well, best possible sense. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, if she was still standing up for herself in her own little way. It's like, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to cave. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and here's Carla with the tapes. <laughs> Marvellous. <laughs> and, yeah, you've got quite a lot of monologues, actually, in this. I think you're the only character that really... Oh, Georgie has a monologue later on. How did you find those? Did you find that easier, or did you find it easier to do the dialogue, or...? Um, the monologues, I think, were, were fine. Um, it was kind of funny, because it's like, usually you, you know, she was doing a lot of, you know, and now I'm going to describe what I'm doing out loud, um, <laughs> yeah, which was actually kind of an interesting, you know, sort of character element to bring to it. It's like, no, I'm just kind of one of those thinking out loud kinds of people. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I'm doing the other thing. <laughs> Now, Just so, yeah, as well, really, isn't it? <laughs> bearing in mind she's on radio. <laughs> well, yeah, and especially in dialogue, you don't have the other person to bounce off of. Um, not really. I mean, mm. you do when after it's mixed, but while you're while you're recording the lines, um, you know, it's it's just you on your own. So if it's a monologue, you um, have a better feel for exactly how it's going to go. Yeah. The other way, there's always still that, you know, just always that little bit of, you know, well, I don't quite know how he's going to respond. Yeah. Do it this way or that way. I need to go get sure. some fresh air. Oh, and I have to just mention there that that was the first appearance of Spudsy, played oh, by Perry yes. Whittle. Mm -hmm. And th there's some real joy with that performance to come, believe me. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I love the way he does it. Yeah. Not giving yeah. too much away. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's Lady of the Cups. Wonderful. And yes, Carla and Tiffany, with... Um, of course, because Tiffany is just the kind of person who would go to a fortune teller to get <laughs> helpful advice. Yeah, yeah. Easy there, Tiff. Put that brush down if you're gonna, you know, emote. Sorry, I'll I'll be out in the back. Stick the kettle on. I did purpose. Thanks, Carla. Mm -hmm. How can I 
I did purposely want to make um, Dorota um, kind of, well, I, I worked with um, immigrants and asylum seekers, and mm. quite a lot of the people I worked with were doctors or lawyers or journalists, you know, in their, in their original country, and, um, and they very often got a lot of... Um, People assumed that they weren't intelligent because it was their second language, you know, and mm -hmm. so they, they had a... So um, I was quite pleased to have the chance to sort of put in a character who, you know, um, is a doctor and a psychologist in her own, you know, country. It's just the language barrier that is the issue for her at the moment. Yeah, it's also... Um, it's kind of interesting how she even comes up and admits, you know, no, I'm not really a fortune teller. Um, mm. You know, because a lot of times, you know, you want to keep that, you know, a lot of writers want to keep them guessing. It's like, oh, is the magic real? Is the magic not real? So here it's just like, nope. <laughs> that is that is straight up psychology. I'm I'm handing out counseling <laughs> sessions to people who need it. Absolutely. Well, later she has the chat with Tiffany where Tiffany is asking whether she knew that Jim was going to die. Mm. And so that's that's why I made sure that everyone knew that she wasn't a fortune teller at that point. Because, yeah. you know. Um, you got held up yeah. with a knife? That's stuff for the cops. You know, the police. Oh, no. oh, yeah, yeah. This is one of the things I liked about um, the portrayal of Carla. You know, it's usually in a lot of, in a lot of stories... Um, you know, mm. the characters get in over their head and it's like, you know, oh, we'll just keep plowing on because we're the main characters, so we're going to deal with it. You know, she's just like, no, actually, there are these policemen people who deal with that kind of stuff. It's one thing to play dress up and pretend to be detectives. <laughs> People are actually getting hurt. We should go do something more sensible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she she was, um, that's in fact why why I, I really wanted your voice for the part because you have a real practicality <laughs> you know, you, you sound really practical as Carla. I, I really like that. You know, just uh, right. Let's do this, and we'll do that, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like that in real life. English is not good. Your English is fine, Dorota. I can understand you, right? Got some kind of oh, the the other what thing with this like scene just before with um, Tiffany and Carla, where they're doing up the place, because uh, mm -hmm. I I always thought with the sort of the old um, film noir kind of offices, and they're all really dingy, and they've got all these shadows, and I just thought it would be quite great if, if someone came along and well, let's put a bit of light in here, you know, get rid of these blinds. Look, they're making the room all shadowy, and they, you know, and uh, why don't we just you know <laughs> paint the walls? And what's up with the one bare light bulb in the middle of the room? <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> Let's put a nice fluffy lampshade on it and a few <laughs> scatter cushions, you know. And <laughs> that's kind of what I wanted uh, Tiff and Carla to do, you know, just kind of. <laughs> I put a well, that's very nice, but, you know, <laughs> we still need to be able to see, so. <laughs> exactly. Whereas, of course, Nick's office is, you know, still in all that kind of cool lighting and so on, I'm sure. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And there we go. That's the carousel again. That's the same one from the end of the pier last time. You did too much for me. Please go home. Let me go in first. Check it safe. Wait. What was that? And in this one, I think originally in the script, um, I didn't put Annie in it purposely because I didn't want her to. Uh, 
I didn't really want her to say too much because it is a really quite nasty storyline going on in the background, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't uh, really want to follow that part of it so much, so I, I put nothing. But in the end, I figured it, it sounded a bit empty without her, so that's that's me just <laughs> doing a few sort of mutterings. Um. Yeah, I think it's also a good cue. It's an important cue for the audience to to actually have a voice for that, even if it's just a bit of mothering to actually, yeah. you know, clue in that there's someone else there. Yeah. Um, and I remember this was actually one of the things that, like, um, the first when we were looking at the first script and, um, you know, the and the first storyline was a bit more was a bit more in the you know zany hijinks um, direction yeah. of things. And then suddenly it was like, and by the way, there's human slavery going on. Whoa! <laughs> Yeah. It's like okay, we can we can go in one direction or the other direction. I'm not sure we can actually go in both directions in the same script. No, you you very very uh, wisely <laughs> pointed out that this was you know uh, possibly a little inappropriate. Yeah, and yeah, and in fact, like you said, the entire middle part completely changed be- because of that. And um, yeah, this this was I think the most rewritten of all of the episodes. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking at my notes, and um, yeah, there were more drafts of the other ones. Um, yeah, yeah, this only had two drafts, and the and the um, third and fourth both had three. But um, this was the one that like the first draft was thirty three pages, and the second draft was thirty seven. Like, yeah, it was just yeah. everything got got looked at again. Yeah, it did radically change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think yeah, because although. I did want to sort of, obviously, you know, noir stuff is very, very, very dark. And I did want oh, yeah, to kind yeah. of vaguely base it in that, but I didn't want it to be a completely dark, depressing, you know. I wanted the main characters anyway to be kind of floating around in this horrendous world, but themselves be quite humane, you know. Um, yes, yes. Flawed. Sort of this interesting line to walk. Yeah. yeah. Flawed and stupid, you know, sometimes, but <laughs> basically humane, you know. Yeah. <laughs> trying to be good people. Yeah, trying. Yeah. That was unfair. I'm sorry. From what you said, he sounds like a great guy. And this is, yes, Tiff in love with Jim. You're in love with him, huh? Oh. What's the point in hiding it now? No point. That's why you broke it off with Dale Diamond's gift to the And the, actually, right. that's the explanation that was missing in episode one about Dale. So there you go. I think it's fine to leave some stuff out. I mean, it's a mystery. You should, like, be rewarded for, like, really paying attention to (laughs) clues. And for for (laughs) listening to the second episode. That's your reward. Yeah. Ha-ha. If you you stick with it, the questions will be answered. That's it. Exactly. Sounds good. Okay. That's why it's tempting to give away spoilers in these, you know, if people can bother to trawl through the whole country. I know, I've been having so much trouble because um, the four parts, I mean, the first two are fairly standalone and then, you know, yeah. we're sort of building up some arc here, which which really um, um, is emphasized in the third and third and fourth. Um, I remember when I was editing, you know, I, you know, you sent me the third and it was like, you know, I really need the fourth to be able to do these together. 
and yeah. but they're all sort of connected and it was like it's really hard for me to talk about this episode without <laughs> talking about the other the other ones yeah this going to be a nightmare actually doing the commentary for episode three. <laughs> oh god yeah. it is yeah okay well mm. all right we'll 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 do some homework we'll figure it out we will <laughs> yeah and of course this one is panto i didn't realize that you don't have pantos in the states or no i'd never heard of that before mm-hmm. um you know i mean i suppose there might be variety shows somewhere but it's certainly not called panto and it's not something i was really familiar with no it, it's a very specific kind of show a panto yeah um and it is absolutely all so traditional i would say most people do go to one you know probably many in their childhood particularly so yeah um ah, and here we go little kenneth halliday this one named after kenneth williams and kenneth horn um, and this is stephen j cohen just doing a storming performance i think um, so how did you how did you do the musical number Right, well, with this one, my friend um, who did the the theme tune for this, also, um, I wrote the lyrics, and then I sort of sang the lyrics to her roughly in a speaking, singing kind of thing, um, just so she could get the rhythm. And then, because she's supremely talented, she just there and then kind of made up an accompaniment to it. So I recorded the accompaniment, sent that to Stephen J. Cohen, and he listened to it, uh, then did the singing, sent it back to me, and then I put the two together. So I had to cut it up quite a bit, you know, between his voice and her accompaniment. And, uh, yeah, it was a bit fiddly, but it seemed to hopefully sounds okay. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Halliday. Likewise, madam. Could we possibly have a chat somewhere quiet? But this is Irene, the slightly doddery accompanist anyway, um, who will appear appear in episode three. So if it's not quite... Oh, right. That's plot relevant to the fact that the piano playing is a little iffy. Okay. Yes, it's it's meant to be a little iffy. I did actually ask my friend to make it as if it was a doddery sort of... (laughs) Rather doddery I totally didn't catch that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So remember that for episode three, everyone, if you're listening at home. Well, that's it, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, my friend would kill me because <laughs> people will think her piano playing is really bad. That was particularly because I, I love those old musical songs. You know, there are songs from the 1910s and 20s that are absolutely filthy, but completely innocent, you know, um, which is <laughs> exactly like that one. <laughs> I have to admit, um, it wasn't until I was listening to this episode again this morning that I actually mm. caught the extra layer of filth running through the song. I was just oh, like, right. yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, it's like, okay, it's a song about alcohol. It's like, okay. And it was like, oh, wait, there's this other bit. Okay, got it. Mm, no, there are some. And you say they bring kids to this? Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's absolutely shocking, shocking stuff um, can go on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is absolutely about alcohol. That's all it's about. <laughs> oh, of course, of course, yes. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, in fact, for this particular role, um, we had quite a lot of auditions. You know, it was a, a good sort of dozen or more, and everybody who auditioned was fantastic you know they were all singing um mm-hmm. 
I think, um, uh, a music hallish sort of song. Um, but at the end of the day, Stephen J. Cohen, I just thought, did a wonderful job. And I loved his non-singing performance as well, you know. But mm -hmm. but it, it was a, it would be lovely to do more. <laughs> There's obviously a lot of talent out there. It's um, one of the things I really liked about um, sort of as a side, a side effect of doing this script um, mm. is we actually brought a whole bunch of actors I was not familiar with um, into, you know, it's like, oh, I, I had never heard Stephen J. Cohen before. And yeah, he does this fantastic job as Kenneth. Mm. Yeah, we've gradually lured them into the pendant uh, <laughs> trap. <laughs> Got them now. <laughs> Um, this is, yeah, Nick trying to blackmail Carla. Uh, uh -huh. And I love that, and in fact, this is a chance to talk about, um, you do a lot of improvisation, which is great. And uh, this is one of my favorite ones that you did, which is, uh, so there is something you won't do for money, which I thought was just brilliant. And this is actually one of the nicer things you said to him. In fact, I was very often having to tone down how you were with Nick because um, I was just making her slightly more polite. But there, it would be quite interesting to mix another version with the completely <laughs> aggressive, rude Carla, which I loved, you know, I really loved. I had to choose really carefully and I had to choose one way or the other. But <laughs> yeah, I know that was one of the things um, doing these scenes was like... Um, and not necessarily, um, yeah, there's just so many ways the scene could have been played. And it's like, okay, mm. so I, I, guess I, I guess I better record them all because I don't know which yeah. is what exactly you're looking for. So, And it was brilliant. Yeah. And I just wish I could have used more, you know, more of a variety of them. <laughs> Extra evil Carla. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was hilarious. Brilliant. But then I just started feeling too sorry for Nick, and I think it's important not to feel too sorry for Nick, you know, so that's why I kind of kept the balance, but, uh, but she's a very cool character, you made her, <laughs> much cooler than I wrote her, so that's cool. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. Oh, Dale. I always smile whenever Dale comes on. <laughs> Great. Something about just the way he delivers his lines. It's just like, oh, it's Dale. <laughs> yes, yes. So adorable. He is, he is. And of course, this is, yeah, his uh, sort of last performance with Tiff as such, you know, as uh, she gets left alone by everyone at the end of this episode. Which yeah, I was noticing that as I was I was going through the the episode. It's like mm -hmm. oh, everything and and like and it turns on a dime because like one moment everything is going well and like they're solving the case and Dale, you know, she's having this tender moment with Dale and then suddenly the next moment, oh, everything's going too well for Tiffany. Everything's <laughs> it just flips. Yep. It's like oh, by the way, I'm leaving. Oh, by the way, I'm angry at you. Ah. That's it. <laughs> but uh, I didn't want it to become too comfortable, you know. And um, so I was wondering, actually, because um, you'd you'd mentioned before that this was originally a six-part series. Um, was was Dale leaving one of the things that you know was that was that in the original um, longer version? It was, but he came back. Um, with a much longer 
sort of no storyline. There was a whole other little mini arc going on, um, which isn't in this one. Um, but no, he was he kind of had to leave at this point, sort of in terms of. I'm uh, <laughs> trying to veil it so I can't. Um, but yeah, in terms of what what Tiffany did next, kind of thing, <laughs> it was. It's kind of important for him. Not to be around for a little while, really. Mm-hmm. The absence of absence of all the studying influences of her life in her life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but yeah, no. Basically, the story did pretty much stay. Very similar, but um, there were just a couple of side stories that were taken out completely. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I'm here, actually. And yeah, Carla and Dorota. Mm-hmm. I like the way she says sorry in this one. It says sorry, and it sounds like some exotic kind of <laughs> Whereas sorry is just kind of a, you know, um, a very pretty normal county outside the uh, outside London, um, home county. No problem, Dorota. Tell Tiffany Annie went this afternoon to Sarah. That's it. Thank you. let her know. You are not making. And of course, this is where Carla is beginning to discover that Tiff isn't quite as honest as maybe she thought. I think Ashworth Gunnison does a brilliant job here with Georgie Lloyd. I particularly like his kind of crying and drinking simultaneously. I think he does very, very well. yeah, and I think that was, you know, I'm glancing over the script, and I feel like um, it sounds like that's mostly him, that he just, yeah, yeah. did all of that kind of thing. And yeah, it, it's really nice. It adds to the character. Mm. You see sort of that desperation sort of building up. Absolutely, yeah. And this is the first appearance of Audio Alan as Sally Treskillen mm-hmm. as well. Which was a change because originally we were just um, yeah. going to play the um, one side of the phone conversations, and that's part of the. Um, you know, it, it seems sort of strange that this 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 is such a pivotal conversation um, in mm. Georgie's um, development, you know, decision to behave the way he does. That it seemed weird to just have that be one-sided. Absolutely, yeah. No, originally it was a monologue, like you say, and. Uh, yeah, you suggested putting Sally's end in, and I think, yeah, it did. Uh, you're right, it, it was too pivotal, really, not to have her there. And we get to hear Audio Ellen episode early. Absolutely. Which is nice. Yeah, she's scary. <laughs> Sally. <laughs> Very scary, which is great. Sally. You know, the first... <laughs> First time I heard this, I actually thought it was um, MJ doing this, and then I just remembered, oh no, this is Tiffany, of course, doing director. She does it very well. Yeah, and I assume she hadn't heard how MJ was doing the, no. the character. Yeah, no, not at all. 
It is the she amazing she psychic cast. Yes, exactly. Of course. So you In fact, she does it so well that then I started worrying, oh, maybe I should have put an extra <laughs> something in there to remind the audience that it's Tiffany doing it. But, uh, you gave me no choice. I, I assumed you were a con artist. Give me the jury of my family. <laughs> Sorry, I just love this bit. <laughs> It's, uh, well, you can excuse it. He's he's very drunk at this point, so he's going to be more easily fooled, isn't he? I need the rest of that money. Poor Georgie. Mr. Lloyd, you're on man. Where are you going? And the next scene coming up, this is uh, Perry Whittle as the box office manager, doing a fantastic, um, fantastic performance. He's also half of the crowd here. We have a crowd of two, which is brilliant. <laughs> which oh, is wow. That's, that's Perry? Wow, I didn't recognize him. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's great. He does amazing um, British accents, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and he and Anna Rod Rodriguez are also doing the crowd as well. So, um, <laughs> which is very good. <laughs> no choice, Eddie. No choice. <laughs> and in fact, so I assume that was a little improv from him. <laughs> the <Yeah>. Brighton line. <laughs> yes, the Brighton line. Fan fantastic, yeah. Tiffany, explain to me about the police here in Red Sands. Every police are friends of Triskillian. And yeah, of course, so that last scene was two Americans doing British accents. I thought they did a, an excellent job. Oh, good. Mm. It's, it's especially interesting because um, Perry comes up later. He has one of the recurring roles, um, Spudsy, yeah. which is, he uses a very different voice from that. <laughs> yeah. The ones he just did. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. Um, it's fortunate because he can be so versatile. It was very handy to, uh, to, uh, to have that. In fact, um, the box office manager part, it came up in the rewrite. And in fact, I asked him to play that one because I knew that he could do that kind of um, English accent as well as the spudsy one. So um, mm, that's why. It's okay, Dorota. I understand. But... You're sure. Uh, here we go. This is uh, where she finds out the gym was killed instead of uh, committed suicide. And in fact, all of this part is um, a lot of her motivation, in fact, disappeared in the um, in the rewriting of, of her own personal backstory as well. That, you know, um, Carla had been very depressed herself before she, she came to Red Sands and I think it does stay in that she doesn't have anything to go back for. Yeah, it's it's mentioned here and there, so um, mm. not not really brought to the forefront. No. I think it's more that she doesn't answer when, you know, Tiffany asks things and so on. She just doesn't say anything rather than I've got the money I need. You can keep it and your purse with it. 
You put the knife away. I never meant to take it. I'm not a bad man. Yeah, I think so. So remind me, um, do you remember exactly how it was different the first time? Because I feel like that was one of the things that was that was mm. different from the first draft to this one was um, something about like why he gave back the jewelry or something like that. It was something different. It was something he believed. He believed uh, that he was being haunted by Dorota. I believe. Um, so I think they fooled him into that was it. I think they fooled him into giving the money back because he was so terrified of um, sort of losing his soul. Mm -hmm. thing. But it, it turned out to be a bit, like you say, a bit sort of Scooby Doo, and it was a little bit, you know. <laughs> or at least in this one, and it was also where on earth would he actually get the money from? You know, this way he at least gets the money from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Oh right, and and you added the element about um, how they told all the local jewelers, so he was unable to fence it. So yeah, um, yes. again, it was a little more plausible that he would give it back because it's not like it was actually helpful to him. Yeah. Annette, thank you for getting us Georgie's phone number. Seems that what. And now we spend a moment basking in the in the brief moment of of Tiff's life going well. Yeah. <laughs> That was really good of you. Mm. Really unselfish. Um, for once. Yeah. And it works too. I got a text from Carlos. Um, yeah, this, because mobile phones are a bit of a pain nowadays. You know, some of the, uh, you sort of go back to those old films and... If one person had had a mobile phone, then about you know, three deaths wouldn't have occurred. <laughs> so yes, yes. They can be quite a pain, actually, in terms of the story, but I wanted to put one in just uh, to try to use it in plus instead. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, their absence would have been strange. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for a modern oh, setting. Sorry, you call it cell phones, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's okay. Mobile, yeah. cell phones, okay. it's all good. Okay. <laughs> this bit's a bit scary. I think Carla's quite. Uh, she can be quite mean when she needs to. Remember? What? You didn't think your skillin was worth like? Sure, Dale. We we brought you along on the last case, but but now it's important. You gotta go. <laughs> He does. He does try to stand up for Tiffany at the end there. So you know. I didn't hide any tapes. You were my guide to this town. You were my friend, Tiff. I thought I could trust you. Come. Oh, so. It's not really Tiffany's fault, I guess. She she doesn't want to lie to a fortune teller. That'd be unlucky. I made a promise. She's a fortune teller. She's not. That was. I like that. That was very nicely delivered. Oh, thank you. I need to sort this out for myself. Carla, it's dangerous. No, I need to be careful, and I can't trust anyone. Anyone, Tiff. I'll pay your salary for the rest of the month, but don't come in tomorrow. And we kind of reach the end, really, of that particular bit. Yeah, much more of a. Yeah, they technically kind of sort of won, but not really. Mm. 
or maybe kind of the, the mixed ending. Yeah. Oh, especially with the, the information we're about to find out from Jim about Georgie dying. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of something else that I did want. I didn't want them to be able to, you know, just solve cases just like that and sort of wrap it up really neatly at the end, you know, because they're not experts and, um, you know, they are messing about in, <laughs> in a whole other thing. And there we go. All right, I can't believe we found 37 minutes of stuff to talk about. <laughs> I was really worried about that. <laughs> and if anyone's still listening, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and thank you, Fiona. Excellent work, yeah. as always. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Thanks. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of the series. <laughs> Cheers. And Anna Rodriguez and Perry Whittle as the crowd.